0: The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. This is, uh, I find, it, I don't know, maybe because I've been interested in Buddhism so long, but I find this sutta, this discourse from the Buddha, really beautiful. And somebody approaches the Buddha and addresses the Buddha in verse. At least this is how it got recorded. A tangle within, a tangle without. People are entangled in a tangle. Gotama, which is one of the ways that people refer to the Buddha. Gotama, I ask you this, who can untangle this tangle? Sound familiar? A tangle within, a tangle without, people like me, are entangled in a tangle, right? We don't have the Buddha here, but we ask the teachings, we ask ourselves, how do we untangle this tangle? How does that happen? And the Buddha's response, a person established in non-harming, discerning, developing more discernment, developing the mind and heart, A monastic or sincere practitioner, ardent, astute, they can untangle this tangle. Those whose tendencies for greed, hatred and delusion have faded away, their outflows ended. Some of you know the word outflows, it's the translation of asawa, which is an important word in the Buddhist teachings. Asawa gets translated in different ways like taints, cankers outflows inflows but it refers to that tendency of our mind towards sense craving like oh if only and that tendency like it's an outflow one of the translations for is floods like how our mind gets flooded overtaken by if only i have ice cream if only i could be in bed in bed with my favorite movie You know, in bed with my favorite drink and favorite movie and temperature, you know, and friend, (laughs) and on and on like that. That's the flood of sense craving. There's the flood of becoming. If only I could become the person who is X, Y, and Z. Ah. And the flood of ignorance, of self centeredness, right? These are the floods that overtake the mind. So, When these tendencies to greed, hatred, and delusion have faded away, their effluence, their outflows ended. For them, the tangles untangled. And part of that work of untangling the tangle, it's like I said, these overlapping maps, one approach to untangling, each of us untangling the tangle, is getting clear about feeling tone. It's the not clearly knowing, feeling tone for what it is that keeps the tangle a tangle. Now, you don't have to believe me. It's for each of us. It only helps if each of us checks it out. And if we don't check it out, we miss that opportunity to see what happens when wisdom gets clear about the experience of feeling tone. So out of the great swirl of what it is to have a mind and body, because we're hearing these teachings from the Buddha, a seed is planted in the mind stream. Hey, buddy, get interested in feeling tone, right? So then we take it home, or you're already at home, but, you know, that idea, oh, maybe there is, like, in this thing I call, because remember, feeling tone is really something happening in the mind, Although, what might the like, I might be aware of the throbbing in my knee, but the determination that's unpleasant, that's something happening in the mind. So, we want to keep that in mind. How is the mind like, right with the perception, the recognition of experience, of contact, of sense contact, is a feeling tone. How can we train our mind to keep that in mind, to be interested in feeling tone? Because when we're not aware of feeling tone, what happens? And this is something you can report in your small group next week. Like when there's a pleasant feeling tone and not much wisdom, well, this whole package of psychological, emotional emotional conditioning just gets set emotion, motion, Right? When we're around something really pleasant, we immediately start strategizing to have it and to keep it, and to keep other people away from so they don't take it from us, right? That just happens when we're unpleasant. We can't help ourselves. It's not personal. That is the natural thing that happens when there's not a lot of wisdom in the mind and we experience pleasantness. We crave it, and we act on that craving we become the one who wants it. <laughs> and we imagine ourselves having it forever, whatever it might be. And the same thing or you know different, but the same pattern with unpleasantness. So Vedana is different than the emotion, which is more than not liking, you know, hatred, greed, delusion. These are sort of more the d- emotional tone. But it's really close, more closely aligned with the perception of the experience. And I mentioned, you know, the Buddha really makes a big deal out of feeling tone. So when the Buddha talked about mindfulness, he conveniently divided up like what you might want to get good at being mindful about. The body, feeling tone, the quality of the mind outside of feeling tone, and the causes for delusion and the causes for clear seeing, basically. these This fourth foundation is called mindfulness of dhammas. But it's really about Recognizing the hindrances, the awakening factors that allow the mind to see what it needs to see. So, feeling tone is a big part of the Buddhist teachings on mindfulness. When the Buddha describes what it is to be a human being, he often talked about it as the five aggregates, the body, and then he divides the mind into four aspects uh, perception, feeling tone mental formations, kind of a catch-all, including intentions and tendencies and consciousness. So, Because you could divide the mind, mental activity in any number of ways, but it, um, the point I'm making is that he always highlighted feeling tone. Another really famous map the Buddha uses that we cover in the Buddhist study sequence is dependent co-arising. And feeling tone has a really important place and that teaching as well so this is not a minor teaching in how the buddha is inviting us to get to know our experience our in particular our mental experience one of the things to explore this week as you're doing your practice at home aware of the body aware of hearing aware of mental activity and it gets clear that this experience that's showing up is unpleasant or pleasant or whatever it might be well like i mentioned that sort of extra that bonus question if you have some clarity and some continuity of awareness it's like a way to unhook i mentioned how when we're not wise we're not clearly aware the experience of feeling tone sets in motion a lot of reactivity, you know, just programmed reactivity. And it's very obvious, and it's pleasant. It sets in motion liking and grasping and holding. When it's unpleasant, it sets in motion aversion and wanting to get rid of it, wanting to turn away from it. And when it's neutral, it sets in motion ignorance, like, I don't care about you because you're neither pleasant or unpleasant. So I've just... I'm going to pretend you're not even happening because you're not pleasant or unpleasant. And just on an animal level, we're strongly conditioned to only be that interested in what's pleasant or unpleasant. And so we can... The interesting thing is, is there a way to be aware of feeling tone that interrupts the pattern of going into reactivity? Because... Clearly we know, right, all of our, or if not all, almost all of our reactive patterns are really stressful. It's interesting, like when something really great is happening to us, and we're really excited, and really want it to happen, it's stressful. I had this insight as a young kid, I mean, like um, when we were about to go on a vacation, the family, like go camping or something when I was a kid. It's like, I couldn't sleep the night before. I was like, and but I, I had enough space in my mind to realize, this is really terrible. Like, wanting it to happen was really unpleasant. And I kind of knew that. And And another place was around Christmas. It's like the excitement on Christmas Eve. You know, we opened the presents on Sunday, on the... On the morning Christmas morning and it was just like so unpleasant and then as I got older you know sort of mid elementary age third or fourth grade it was like I just knew so clearly that the what I was gonna get wasn't gonna line up with my expectations or my desire so I it was like suffering the whole thing turned out to be suffering and I I had some like reflective awareness like this is torturous. you know. Why do we go through this every year? Isn't there a better way to do this? <laughs> and so, this is the interesting thing. It's like, if I had only had the wherewithal, like when that mental image of Christmas morning and unwrapping the presents arose in my mind, if I would have known, oh, this is a pleasant experience being known. This is, what it's like to know pleasantness can that be okay basically making peace with that awareness of pleasantness or the awareness of unpleasantness or the awareness of neutrality how does our life change when we've trained our mind to notice feeling tone really discern it for what it actually is now that doesn't mean we get it what it is philosophically, but just know at, rather as a, just a natural phenomena, mental phenomena. Well, this is just feeling time. The image that's sometimes used in the Buddhist tradition is those big bulls or oxen with the ring in the nose and a little child, probably one fifteenth of the weight of the animal. But they tie a rope, you know, around the ring, and uh, you know, a five-year-old kid can make the bowl go wherever the kid wants the bowl to go because that big strong animal doesn't want to feel the tug this way or that way of the rope. And uh, the idea of that image is there's something about our lack of experience, noticing feeling, tone, and really being there with that mental experience of pleasantness or unpleasantness, seeing it what it is, that keeps us trapped and led around by our habits of liking and not liking and ignoring neutral. And and this is, you know, a really apt description of samsara the endless cycles of suffering because we haven't taken the time to get interested in this whole reactive cycle. That's basically, you know, we have a mind and body. This is our existential predicament. We're sensitive to the five physical senses. We're also sensitive to mental activity. That's a given for all of us, right? To some degree. I mean, some of us maybe can't see or can't hear, but basically we have bodily sensitivity, sensitivity to the mind, and just because of the way, now each of us differently, but each of us will experience a feeling tone with each sense experience, whether it's through the body or through the mind, and because we're not clearly discerning what that feeling tone is, all of my ancient conditioning around pleasantness and unpleasantness and neutrality just floods the mind, sweeps away the mind. And I'm the one who wants this or wants to get rid of that or is oblivious to all that neutral stuff. And on and on it goes. So we have sense contact, we have feeling, and we have reactivity basically. That's an ordinary human being. There's a sensitive mind that's sensitive to the five physical senses and sensitive to mental activity. With each sensitivity, with each sense experience, there's a feeling tone that triggers reactivity. Reactivity is just the next thing that we're aware of, (laughs) you know, and that has a feeling tone. And that triggers reactivity. And you see how it goes round and round and round and basically never ends. So one of the, uh, this is really from the dependent origination teaching, one of the ways to cut, to interrupt these cycles of stress, begetting stress, is to train the mind to have enough stability of present moment awareness so that it can get interested in feeling tone. It changes things when we can notice that, like being intimate with that experience. One of the questions that I found so helpful in my practice, you know, when I feel stuck, when I feel in one of those loops, is, uh, well, what's the underlying feeling here? What's the underlying feeling here? And it's like maybe initially like I'll feel it in the body because the body tends to be a more concrete, easily aware, you know we're more easily aware of something in the body, but then I might notice sort of the attitude in the mind about it. Well, what's the feeling tone of that? So it's not like a one time question, but it's it's like a shift in orientation, respecting what's worthy of respect. You know what's worthy of respect? The underlying feeling tone. Because although it doesn't get our attention, it drives so much of our habit energy. Right? So, and there's nothing we can do about our habit energy right now because the tendencies of our mind are the tendencies of our mind. I mean, over time, they will change. But right now, they're the way that they are. And so we have to sort of um, bring some light into the situation, see something that we're not in the habit of seeing, be aware of something we're not in the habit of being aware of, and that's feeling tone. And that the one of the things that um, I mentioned earlier, you know, don't don't interpret feeling tone as a kind of punishment. We have a the, one of the. Ways that we keep from investigating feeling tone is we make this wrong interpretation. When something is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, it just feels so personal. This is from uh, Venerable Analio's book on the Satipatthana, the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness. He writes just as it would be foolish to contend with the vicissitudes of the weather. One need not contend with the vicissitudes of feelings. Contemplating in this way, one becomes able to establish a growing degree of inner detachment with regard to feelings. A mindful observer of feelings, by the very fact of observation, no longer fully identifies with them and thereby begins to move beyond the conditioning. And controlling power of the pleasure pain dichotomy. If we're not aware of feeling tone, then you can almost bet feeling tone is me. I'm feeling this. This is happening to me. This is my feeling, right? But the stability of wisdom awareness creates a whole nother relationship, the possibility of a whole nother relationship you know, basically the relationship of non-attachment. It's a phenomena being known. But it's relatively subtle. And because things happen quickly and they're subtle, like I mentioned earlier, we tend to be the angry one when it's unpleasant, be the greedy one when it's pleasant, be the one ignoring when it's neutral. We just immediately become and identify with the reaction And the other point that Venable Anaglio makes in this is, um, yeah, just how feeling tone really feeds our views about things. This is a paragraph, a few, a p- few paragraphs further into that chapter. The intriguing feature of the Buddhist approach is that his analysis focused mainly on the psychological underpinnings of views rather than their content, right? Because fixing on any view, even a relatively wholesome view, attaching, identifying with views is problematic. So the Buddha was interested in what makes views, opinions, beliefs, what makes them so sticky for a mind, where the mind fixes on them or holds to them so he writes because of this approach the Buddha was able to trace the arising of views to craving which in turn arises dependent on feeling tone conversely by fully understanding the role of feeling as a link between contact and craving the view forming process itself can be transcended So it's really understanding feeling tone really helps us get some space around our fixed views. You know, it's like if we have, I just give you an example, because, you know, for a lot of us, in moments at least, life has been tough, just the social isolation and just the weirdness of COVID and spending so much time on Zoom and the fear and anxiety about getting sick and the loss of loved ones or feeling the pain of those who have been sick and so many other things that are moving these days around racial justice and economic insecurity and so many other things, right? So, um, it's very easy for, for us to either have the view, I'm so glad nothing bad is happening to me, you know, like, or... This is too much. I can't take this anymore. And so we have a, a generalized pleasant experience, like we're above it all. We've got a nice home, lots of nice entertainments, don't have to go out, don't want to go out, you know, or no, life is really hard. But it's interesting how, if we're having a lot of unpleasantness, it really can support a fixed view, life sucks, right? Because, interesting, when we really look carefully, we see that that fixed view, you know, I hate my life, or I hate this person, or these people are bad. A lot of time these fixed views is a very inefficient strategy to deal with unpleasant experience or to deal with pleasant experience. Because we don't know how to just see pleasantness, unpleasantness, and neutrality for what it is, in a funny way, in a weird way, but ways a way that has so many consequences for more suffering, we use fixed views to manage the exposure to feeling tone. It would be so much better to learn how to be intimate clearly aware of feeling tone for what it actually is. It's a pleasant experience being known. It's an unpleasant experience being known. This is one of the great benefits for uh, having a regular sitting practice where you sit for an hour or you sit for 30 minutes or whatever amount of time come hell or high water. You just sit relaxed, relatively upright, or whatever posture works for you. Walking, lying, sitting, standing. You put your time in. And then it's so, you know, inevitably there are going to be times when you have a headache, you have a knee ache, you're too cold, you're too hot, your body itches, you know, there's a fly in the room, a mosquito in the room, you have indigestion, you have to pee, you know, whatever. It might be, or it's like really pleasant, perfect temperature, nice sounds of birds. And to really see that, oh, here's the pleasantness, but I can just be with the pleasantness. There's a choice of the pleasantness leading to that whole package of wanting, being the one who wants, being the one who will be happy if if I have it, or the unpleasant, triggering that whole package of, you know, reactivity of aversion. But there's this option, and you can start exploring it this week in your sitting or in your formal practice, and then um, also throughout the rest of the day. You know, whenever there's a clearly pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral experience, realize that. This is the thing that unhooks is like this option to be intimate, clearly aware, clearly comprehending. Oh, what's the underlying feeling? Oh, this is the underlying feeling tone here. It's this way. So that verbal question, you know, that I mentioned that I use, it's really just a surrogate for curiosity. So It's in a way, initially, you might need something like that to prompt because it's not the habit for the mind to be interested in feeling tone. Because it's subtle and because very quickly the reactive pattern has been triggered in, that's very seductive to identify with. And then we're kind of off to the races with that. One of the things that I'll uh, put in that email later tomorrow afternoon when I send it out, is a section from Bhikkhu Bodhi's book. He's this uh, person that I mentioned earlier, uh, Western Buddhist monk and very um, wonderful translator. And he has a wonderful little book that I recommend people uh, really digging into early Buddhist practice get. It's called The Noble Eightfold Path, and you can download it online for free. You can also buy the book if you want the paper copy. But he has a chapter or a section in a chapter on mindfulness on mindfulness of feeling tone. I just want to read a little bit because it's a nice summary. Um, so in that section on mindfulness of feeling tone, Bhikkhu Bodhi writes, feeling acquires special importance as an object of contemplation because it is feeling that usually triggers the latent defilements into activity. The feelings may not be clearly registered that in subtle ways they nourish and sustain the dispositions to unwholesome states. Thus, when a pleasant feeling arises, we fall under the influence of the defilement of greed and cling to it. When a painful feeling occurs, we respond with displeasure, hate, and fear, which are aspects of aversion. When a neutral feeling occurs, we generally do not notice it, or let it lull us, or let it lull us, into a false sense of security, states of mind governed by delusion. From this, it can be seen that each of the roots of the root defilements is conditioned by a particular kind of feeling, greed by pleasant feeling, aversion by painful feeling, delusion by neutral feeling. But the link between feelings and the defilements is not a necessary one. Pleasure does not always have to lead to greed pain to aversion, neutral feeling to delusion. The tie between them can be snapped and one essential means for snapping it is mindfulness. Feeling will stir up a defilement only when it is not noticed, when it is indulged rather than observed. By turning it into an object of observation, mindfulness diffuses the feeling so that it can provide provoke an unwholesome response. So it cannot provoke an unwholesome response. Then instead of relating to the feeling by way of habit through attachment, repulsion, or apathy, we relate by way of contemplation, using the feeling as a springboard for understanding the nature of experience. And one of the things we'll talk about later is just when we have more practice, more momentum, is just to notice how ephemeral feelings are. It's really interesting. And one experiment you can do, you know, is just have something you really like to eat, like chocolate, you know, whatever it might be. Compose yourself, you know, sitting at your kitchen table or whatever it is. Remind yourself that this is a contemplation that you're doing. And uh, it's just a side benefit that you get to eat chocolate or whatever it is you like to eat. And just, you know, even the visual experience will be probably pleasant. The mental idea that I'm going to be eating chocolate might be noticed as pleasant. So you have many opportunities of seeing it, maybe even smelling it, thinking about it, to notice the six sense gates and the pleasantness at each of the six sense gates, right? And you can even do it too with unpleasant, like whether you just pinch yourself or have hot water or food you don't like so much. But but really, and because it, of the composure and the intention, the intentionality, you can really notice like what happens when there's not much wisdom, with the pleasantness or the unpleasantness, and what happens when there's more mindfulness and wisdom aware of the underlying feeling of pleasantness and unpleasantness, how it's not a problem. They did, you know, they've done these experiments where they, uh, I can't remember too much of the details, but basically, probably college students, you know, at a coming to some psychology department, and they'd have the students, they'd put their hands in hot water, That you know, or no, it was cold water, that's right, a really cold water, so it wasn't dangerous so much, but unpleasant, as you know, to put your hand in really icy waters is really unpleasant after a while. And they divided the group up randomly, and <clears throat> some people were not told anything, just to do it, and then they'd do a survey afterwards, like, how painful was that? And some people were told to um, try to distract yourself, second group. So one group told, you know, just put your hand in the water. Other group said, yeah, when you put your hand in the water, distract yourself. Think about something else. And then the third group was, put your hand in the water and be aware of what that feels like. Something like that. And, you know, it's a simple experiment. And they found that the people that were uh, invited to feel it, didn't report as much pain as the other two groups. right? So there's something about um, that invitation to get interested in the experience. We sort of know that anyway because to sign up for a Buddhist studies class means you've intuited that there's something about being mindful. And what mindfulness reveals are these component parts of our experience. And one of the most relevant component parts is this feeling tone, as I've been saying. Here's a little bit more before we end tonight from Bhikkhu Bodhi's uh, chapter. In the early stages of contemplation of feeling um, involve attending to the arisen feelings, noting their distinctive qualities, pleasant, painful, neutral. The feeling is noted... Without identifying with it, just feeling tone being known. Without taking it to be I or mine or something happening to me, awareness is kept at the level of bare attention. One watches each feeling that arises, seeing it merely as a feeling, a bare mental event shorn of all subjective references, all pointers to an ego. The task is simply to note the feeling's quality, its tone of pleasure, pain or neutrality. But as the practice advances, as one goes on noting each feeling, letting it go and noting the next, the focus of attention shifts from the qualities of the feelings to the process of feeling itself. The process reveals a ceaseless flux of feelings arising and dissolving, succeeding one another without halt. Within the process there is nothing lasting. Feeling itself is only a stream of events. Occasions of feeling flashing into being moment by moment, dissolving as soon as they arise. Thus begins the insight into impermanence which, as it evolves, overturns three unwholesome roots. There is no greed for pleasant feelings, no aversion for painful feelings, no delusion over neutral feelings. All are seen as mere, merely fleeting and substanceless events devoid of any true enjoyment or basis for involvement. And... <clears throat> Just from my own experience working with physical pain during the meditation process, it's really amazing. When there's enough stability of present moment awareness, the painful throbbing of the knee or the back is the primary object of awareness. And then the mind learns to uh, highlight the painful feeling tone itself, simply because Actually it's the most relevant thing. In a way that's what attention wants to go to if it knows Oh yeah, this is what's relevant. And that it's really hard to get from like Bhikkhu Bodhi's very clear description. It really points to like seeing what feeling tone is. It isn't like the superficial Perception or understanding of feeling tone is it's something solid. This headache is painful. And it's like because it's infused with a sense of a me experiencing this substantial painful feeling, it appears to us to be unbearable, deserving of aversion. It would be crazy not to be aversive. But when we take the time to see feeling tone for what it is, it's, it's more like a, a thin veneer of unpleasantness. But as we get to know what unpleasantness is more closely, it's not the problem that we superficially presumed it was. And that's something experiential, like we actually see that feeling tone, like pain, painful experience, isn't a problem. And that's really important to see this, because there will be times as a human being when we're going to be experiencing painful emotions, painful sensations, painful sounds, painful sights, painful tastes, don't know how we could avoid it as a human being. And if we don't have any understanding about what unpleasant experience actually is, then We will identify with that habit of being somebody, being a person who is oppressed by the unpleasantness. And that will be our reality. We will be the person haunted or hunted by the unpleasantness. That will be the reality we inhabit. So there is a we can create some other options for ourselves, not just around unpleasantness, but around pleasantness and neutrality as well. It's just that, initially, for most of us, we're most interested in learning a thing or two about unpleasantness, because that's what scares us, you know. And we know that, you know, what it's like to feel cornered by unpleasantness, whether it's because of a painful breakup, or the loss of a dear one, or having a really painful physical sensation, like an illness that we can't just snap our fingers or take medicine and make it go away. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.